It's really important in positive psychology to be repetitive in the positive. So when we're going to join into a new group, reminding ourselves is, I know how to do this. I did this when I was in first grade. I did this when I was in second grade. I met this new teacher in third grade and I was so concerned, but then we just hit it off. So being really positive and thinking about how the brain has already wired for this belonging that we can do it again. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone and this is Mom to Mom, the podcast. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. Um, I don't know if you saw this in the news recently, but the U.S. Surgeon General has declared there to be an epidemic in loneliness in our country. And that really struck me. It just, it's so sad that there's an epidemic of loneliness. So today we're going to talk about that and really the negative impact that loneliness and isolation can have on our physical health. And if we've learned anything from mom to mom over the years, or if I've learned anything, it's that knowledge is power and we can actually make changes in our lives and our community. So here to help us understand how we can teach our kids connection and belonging and how to strengthen their emotional intelligence so that they can hopefully avoid this epidemic and not contribute to this epidemic of loneliness as they grow up, is my guest today. She is an award-winning author, and her name is Donna Tatro. Donna is a parenting journalist. She is the creator of The Castle Method, which is an ideology of building a family foundation based on compassion, acceptance, security, trust, love, expectations, and education. And if you are a fan of mom to mom and you've been following from the beginning, we did an interview with Donna way back um, to talk about the castle method. And today she's going to talk about her new children's books, Dear Me, Letters to Myself for All My Emotions and Dear Me, I Belong. We end up talking a lot about emotional intelligence and how we as parents can be good role models in that area. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Donna Tatro. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing, Maria, I'm with all great. of the stuff going on? I know. I'm watching you. Lots of balls <laughs> in the air, as usual. Um, so Donna is no stranger to mom to mom We've had her here before, and Donna and I know each other from back in L.A., where we used to do parenting segments together way back when. So it's always fun when worlds collide again. So it's so good to see you. And congratulations on all your new books. Oh, thank you so much, Maria. And congratulations to you, too. This is great to thank talk to you, you again. Just a couple of authors shooting the breeze. <laughs> um, all right, so let's talk about this this children's books or the children's books that you have written. I feel like now is the perfect time for this, especially based on everything what I said about loneliness and everything like that. So talk to us about Dear Me, I Belong and why you felt like now is the time to tell that story. Yeah, Maria, you know, Dear Me, I Belong is the second book in the Dear Me series. And I really wanted to focus on connection and belonging. And as you said, up at the top, loneliness is an epidemic. And so to be proactive, we can teach our kids belonging as an antidote to loneliness. And so I think it's really important that parents are aware, like you said, and they can do things in the home to really help their kids. So how do we know if our kids are struggling 
in this particular area with belonging. Some kids are super vocal and they wear their heart on their sleeves and other kids are a little bit trickier to interpret how they're feeling. Absolutely, I think you gotta just keep watching your kid. Is your kid involved in groups in school, outside of school, within the family? Are they belonging inside the family? Are they connecting with you as mom or dad? Um, are they connecting with siblings? So really watching them to see how they are um, in all of their different worlds. And then also, how do they belong to themselves? Are they able to feel that they belong to themselves? And that's something that in Dear Me, I Belong, I really touch on. Well, you bring up an important point, which is, are they belonging <clears throat> even at home? Because you've heard for years and years, people talk about, oh, I'm the black sheep of the family. Or, you know, there's, there's siblings who can feel like outsiders in their own house. So how can we as parents make sure that we're keeping an eye on that and making sure that everybody is feeling like they belong in this family? I love this question, Maria. And, and what we need to do is accept each individual child and person in the family for who they are. So if we as parents have this expectation of our child to be something that they are not, that they are not intrinsically who they are, then we are not allowing them to belong in our family. So here's an example. If we have a kid who struggles in school and the expectation is that child must get straight A's, then we are not showing our child that we accept them for who they are, the learner that they are, and that they belong in this family and that straight A's are not the expectation for this child. So simple things like that, accepting our kid for who they are. Hmm. And you have some actual strategies for this as well. Yeah, absolutely. So within the book, I talk about how kids can belong to themselves. And when we teach our children how to belong to themselves, then they're going to accept themselves regardless of what the outside world looks like. So a unique way I wanted to teach kids that they belong is that I, I showed a portion in the book about belonging to our mistakes, that all of us make mistakes. And so we all as humankind belong to the, we all make mistakes group. Mm -hmm. So what I want kids to understand is that, you know, they are unique in themselves, but they belong in the world in so many different ways. And through these mistakes, they belong as well. So yes. resilience comes from learning that mistakes are part of life. And I really try to be a good role model in that space because I'm struggled with being a perfectionist my whole life. And I see some of that with my children. So when I make a mistake, I try to own it and show <laughs> the kids that like, it's okay. I am just a pile of mistakes and um, it's who we are. And so I think the best thing we can probably do is just be good role models in that area. You're so right. And you know what? It frees us from having to be perfect. The perfect parent, mm. the perfect career person, the perfect cook, the perfect whatever <laughs> in our house. And so it frees us. And then while we model that, it shows them and it frees them to just accept themselves for who they are and to love them for themselves for who they are. Well, as our friend Lisa Sugarman always says, perfectly imperfect. 
And that yeah, has been a great exactly. motto, right? Perfectly imperfect is yes. all of us. So I was interested to see um, how much vocabulary can play into this. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, look, what we want to do is we want to teach our kids to name feelings, to identify feelings. If our kids can't say how they're feeling in a moment, then they're not going to be able to then feel that feeling and then manage that emotion and go on to a, a more positive emotion. I like to explain to parents that if a kid is saying, I am angry, I am frustrated, I am sad, that is huge self-awareness. Then being able to help the kid manage, feel that emotion, live in that uncomfortable emotion with our kids. I know it's the worst thing ever. You want to move your kid to a more positive emotion sooner, fix things. But if we can let them sit in that and then help them move on to a more positive emotion, we are serving them to let them know that all of their feelings and emotions matter. Even for us, I mean, naming an emotion, calling it out, and then being like, okay, that's how I'm feeling, putting it out there, and then moving on is productive, even for us. For the little ones, you know, I still have a five-year-old, and the vocabulary isn't quite there for everything. We're getting there. I find that reading books like yours is super helpful. Um, now that summer is here, I took him to the library. We got our library card. I recommend oh everybody God, I do I that it. with their kids. It <laughs> makes them feel so special um, because I know that you'll agree that going to the library and finding some different books and working on naming feelings, there's so many books out there that can help. And then just also building that vocabulary, reading's the best way to do it. I love that. And I love the fact that you highlighted getting their own library card. What ownership for them, right? They are in charge in this realm to pick the books that matter to them, to pick the books that speak to them. And that's what we want to do with reading is to make it fun, to make it engaging. So I love that. And um, yeah, there's so many books that can teach this social, emotional learning in the home. We don't want to necessarily leave it to the classroom, because all these classrooms, they might want to bring it in and a school administrator might have this um, curriculum that they enter into. But if parents aren't in tune and teaching this inside of the home, we're kind of uh, there's a gap there. So we want to have this structure inside of our home, this our own curriculum to teach this social emotional learning. Are you looking for your summer guide to adventures in Boston, the perfect recipes for your family, or exclusive interviews with your favorite celebrities? Well, you can get all of that in one place in your inbox with the Hubbub newsletter. To sign up, all you have to do is go to NBC10Boston.com newsletters, drop your email, and you'll be in the know. Just before the break, we were talking about emotional intelligence. And I think this is actually a new concept for some parents. So first, would you mind just kind of explaining what EI is? You know, it's a great question. And it is something that's new. If you think about, um, it's it new for parents to consider. If you think about how when we grew up, we were not 
um, recognizing from our parents, you know, you know, you need to name your emotions. You need to think about, you know, how you're feeling. You can manage your emotions. So this is evidence-based information that is now available to parents. It's, you know, been out there, but this is now for parents to really get in tune. And it's interesting because I've been teaching my boys about emotional intelligence very early on. That's about growth mindset, you know, looking at a problem and, and not stopping, but moving forward, having that growth mindset. But what's interesting is now my two boys are 14 and 15 years old. And just recently, my 15 year old came to me and asked me for more compassion as his mother. Wow. It was interesting. Yes. And it was to show that he really is in tune. We were clashing on something, you know, I'm not going to get into the specifics, specifics of it, but clashing as mom and teen stepped back. He came back to me about 40 minutes later, said, mom, can we talk? He explained where he was coming from. And then at that moment said, can I have more compassion from you? Wow. It was kind of eye-opening. It was also, whoa, I'm not doing the greatest job right. here as mom. But then the second thought was, oh, wow, he this can... is working. Yeah. He's able to ask me for this. Right. That's the stuff that moms go through all the time, right? It's like, wow, they're growing. Oh, I'm failing. Wow, they're growing. <laughs> it's always tough stuff. So how can we best model emotional intelligence? I know some days I'm not the best model of that because I can really fly off the handle. Exactly. And that's, that's why I brought this point up with my son, Jackson. How do we model that? My second thought was, oh, wow, he's learning. Mm -hmm. But then I thought to myself, how about you go to some self-compassion, Donna? You're doing the best that you can. You are now raising a teenager very different from mm -hmm. toddler elementary school kid. So have some self-compassion and show it to your kid. So what I said to him was, okay, Jackson, what do you need from me specifically? He told me. And then I said to him, I articulated to him, I want you to know, Jackson, I'm doing the best that I can as your mom. And I'm going to give myself some self-compassion right now, knowing that I'm doing the best that I can in this moment. So right there, I was modeling. That's how we and all of us can model for our kids by articulating what we are going to try to do better. Can I just say, I can't believe that your boys are teenagers now. Like I remember when they were so little and I hope that this show goes on forever and ever and I can maintain these relationships because I am so terrified <laughs> of the teenage years, especially with a little girl who reminds me so much of myself. I am in so much trouble, so right. much trouble. She's already so much smarter than I am. Like I'm going to need all the help in the world. So long live mom to mom. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever. Um, so, so now that summer is here, it's really a pivotal time for kids. So they got through the school year, you know, maybe the beginning was a little rough, but they made their groups of friends. They got through, they understood their teachers and where they belonged in the scheme of things. And now right. summer is here and whether kids are at camp or they're trying some new sports or they're just hanging with the kids in the neighborhood, navigating those relationships can be tricky too. So any tips on that? Because it's like all brand new again. It's all brand new again. And so what we can explain to our kids that we're going to build on the skills that we've already conquered. 
So when we move into a new group, a new camp, um, a new variety of different friends, because it's summertime to be gentle with ourselves and to know that it takes time and to know that we know how to do it. It's really important in positive psychology to be repetitive in the positive. So when we're going to join into a new group, reminding ourselves is, I know how to do this. I did this when I was in first grade. I did this when I was in second grade. I met this new teacher in third grade and I was so concerned, but then we just hit it off. So being really positive and thinking about how the brain has already wired for this belonging that we can do it again. And you keep talking about belonging, but I feel like I wanna make sure that I understand because we're not necessarily saying like fit in because we want our kids to be their individual beautiful selves. So we're not saying go be like everybody else. We're just hoping that they can get along with everybody and have a great experience because you, you talk about a concept called being a chameleon. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know what's so interesting is Brene Brown. We all know her and love her. And when she speaks about belonging, she speaks specifically to the fact that we are not belonging when we fit in, like you said. Mm -hmm. It is belonging when we know that inside we belong in this situation. So we are not going to change who we are to quote unquote fit in. We are going to belong in this group as we are, as the crazy kind of person that we are, whoever we are. You look at yourself, you you become aware of yourself. So you can talk to your kids about who are you in a group? Are you, do you kind of wait because you're shy in the beginning? Do you, are you outgoing? How are you in a group? So allowing our kids to kind of practice this and know that it's okay to be who they are within this group. And changing who we are is okay too. We all have different facets of who we are. And sometimes we feel comfortable, more comfortable in some situations than we do in others. And it's okay to take that step back. So just being very comfortable with acceptance. Again, I talk a lot about acceptance in the castle method, and there's a lot of research backed in that, that acceptance from our parents and acceptance from ourselves is critical for that growth, that development um, of the brain and development milestones as kids grow. And there's also choices to be made. Like there's some groups maybe you don't want to be a part of, and that's okay too. I mean, and I remember the feelings being so real. I can vividly remember, I was probably like six or seven years old. It's the 80s, so everyone was wearing jelly shoes right? Oh yeah. But I was not allowed to wear jelly shoes because I was a tomboy and I needed to wear sneakers because I was always running around playing sports, getting hurt. So I was not accepted into this little clique in my neighborhood because all the girls were wearing jelly shoes. And they said, if you're wearing sneakers, you're not allowed in this group. And that rejection sticks with you. Um, how do you recommend handling rejection? Because again, that sounds so silly now all these years later, right? You're wearing jelly shoes, I'm not. But I remember that. And that was, I won't say how long ago, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah but you know what? You bring up something that's so important. For How, how did you feel? You felt rejected, right? Mm-hmm. Were you? What did you do to 
What was kind of your process in that? I kept it all inside. I remember feeling okay. like really rotten, but I didn't have the relationship where I could go home and be like, this is what happened. I just wasn't like that. I, you know, I just kind of like internalized everything. So, so you know what? And I and cut I them think, out. Yeah. <laughs> I cut them off. Cut them off. I did. You know, I, I think that that's where if we as parents can build this foundation early on with our kids, that they can come and talk to us about anything. Mm-hmm. So as we look in, you know, fast forward into the teen years, we want our kids to be able to talk to us about drugs, alcohol, sex, um, anything that's going on that's disturbing to them, that how can they get out of the situation? So it's the same thing with building that foundation with our younger kids to being so open, so accepting of who they are as a person, really looking at them for who they are, really asking ourselves, who is my kid? Who is this precious child that I need to help nurture to really just unfold as he or she should unfold and not to allow that shame to enter in. But again, that's part of life, right? So then how do we, how do we combat that feeling? It's, it's by having these skills of self-acceptance, of knowing that I belong no matter what, and of being able to go to our parents and and kind of working through that. We know that one parent present within the child's lifetime, true presence is going to allow that child to evolve into the person they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So just being present, nothing fancy. may be almost out for summer, but the stations of NBC and Telemundo Boston are committed to supporting our educators year-round. To learn how you can support your local schools, teachers, and students, go online to NBC10Boston.com slash supporting our schools. I'm so glad I got that jelly shoe story off my chest after <laughs> 30 years of being rejected for my sneakers. feels so much better. <laughs> you never know what's going to come up here it. on mom to mom um, I want to talk about your first book, though, before we go, because last time you were here, we talked all about The Castle Method, which is a book that you wrote that really is helping families in so many different areas. So can you kind of give us the synopsis on that for people who aren't familiar with it? Absolutely. So The Castle Method is worth... 10 years worth of being a parenting journalist and literally talking to hundreds of experts and asking thousands and thousands of questions, doctors, psychologists, researchers, educators. And what I found was there are components to a foundation that can build this family. And instead of a parenting book where it's, you know, here's parents, what you got to do to control child's behavior, or here's what you have to do parents. It's more about building this family foundation. So the castle method is a metaphor that um, it's an acronym used as a metaphor to build the castle or the family of your dreams, not the perfect family, but the best version of your unique family. And a lot of this compassion, acceptance, security, trust, et cetera, is social emotional learning for the entire family to become this solid family. Of course, it's going to be imperfect. There's going to be all kinds of problems, but how do we attack the problems through this social emotional learning. 
Wow. So what is next for Donna? We're on book number three. You've done a book, like you mentioned, The Castle Method. Now you've done some children's books. So what's next? You know what's kind of interesting to me now is this teen phase <laughs> and really looking at how to proactively teach teens what a lot of adults are trying to learn now in this positive psychology realm, which is reparenting themselves. So I want to get back to how we can be proactive for our teens and teach them really important meditation practices, et cetera. In fact, my 14-year-old Asher, who I meditate every day, and I told him, you've got summertime now, you've got some time, how about some meditation? He came to me last yesterday morning and said, I'm ready to meditate. We meditated together for 15 minutes. It's trying to really get these skills to our kids. And for me, having two boys, I was concerned about toxic masculinity, et cetera. And so to have my kids being able to come to me, ask for more compassion, say, I'll, I'll uh, meditate with you, mom. It's a win-win. So that, these it. are the skills that I'm looking at right now. You're doing great, Donna. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Mom to Mom. I hope you got something from this today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, could you do me a huge favor and rate and review? It goes a long way in the podcast world. means a lot. Um, also, if you're in the Boston area, you can catch Mom to Mom on TV Mondays at 1130 a.m. on NBC10 Boston. And I'll see you next time here on Mom to Mom. Mom to Mom.